In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the Gospel reading, which you've already heard. You may be seated. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If we didn't read any further than that, today might be a good day to talk about stewardship and the way that we make use of our resources, our time, our talents, and our treasures. This is valid, but it's not the whole focus of this part of the Sermon on the Mount. For Jesus addresses a variety of topics in the Christian life here, but today, Jesus gets at something that ought to put every one of us on our knees, perhaps even running to confession, to plead for God's mercy and forgiveness. For while the use of our money and our time and our talents and things like that is part of what Jesus is talking about here, this part of the Sermon on the Mount is a broader warning about the anxiety that we face in the Christian life. So Jesus goes on, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? What does he mean here when Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Well, the Greek word is meri mnao. You've got an M and an N right next to each other. Meri mnao. This refers to something that is being pulled apart or drawn in opposite directions. In this case, it's the direction that our cares, our worries, our anxieties are pulling us in one direction versus the other direction that Jesus wants us to be going in as Christians. This is why the passage that we read today starts this way. Jesus is warning us about those things that might divide our attention, our loyalties away from him. Now, we might easily say that our faith is our number one priority, But what do our thoughts and our actions, our words, how we spend our money and time and and our downtime, how do these things actually confess what is the most important thing? So you might say, what are you afraid as a Christian? What are you afraid of losing? What do you trust as your bedrock of security in this life? What are you anxious about? What are the things that keep you up at night, that you worry about facing the next day? Now, these things can be harsh masters because our worries and our cares, they never seem to come to an end in this life. They're never satisfied. They are fickle gods that we worship. The things that we chase after in this life, 
the concerns of this life, the bills that we pay, the work that we must do, the practice schedule that we must attend to, the illnesses that we face. All of these things have a way of dividing our loyalty and attention away from Jesus. We might become, on the one hand, numbed to the mundane things of this life, the things that we do day in and day out that sort of make us fall asleep and, and, and not pay attention at all to the spiritual matters of this life. Or we might, on the other hand, be fearful of the things that we cannot control, anxious about those things that we don't know that are coming upon us. These things all take our eyes off of Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so I ask you, take some stock here just for a second. What are the things that you're worried about? Are you worried about the direction of our, of our nation? Are you worried about the rising costs of food and fuel, the basic staples that we have to have to live and navigate our day-to-day -day lives? Are you worried about the things that you face at your job, the things that your kids are going to have to encounter as they grow, the things that your grandkids are going to encounter in this life? Are you battling some illness that no one else sees or knows about? What are you anxious about? Jesus gives us some examples here about how our Father cares for the creation. And I want you to take note of what he says. He talks about the birds, and he talks about the grass of the field that's clothed with the lilies. And he concludes that section by asking this rhetorical question. Are you not of much more value than the birds, than the grass of the field? Are you not much more valuable than these things? And of course, again, this question is rhetorical. Of course, you are more valuable to God than these things. The value of a thing is based on what the person is willing to pay to get it. St. Peter writes, You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus says later on in Matthew's gospel, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father who is in heaven. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, he says, fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. When God set forth to save the world from sin and death, he didn't simply zap it from heaven and make it right. He didn't become some creature lowly and meek, but he came as one like you to redeem you the chief jewel of his creation. He became a man like us in order to save us. So, in short, 
This passage is a warning against those things that would divide our focus, divide our attention away from Jesus. And as Christians, we have a term for this that you know well. And this term is idolatry. What we fear, what we love, what we trust, that becomes our God. And oftentimes those things that we're anxious about in this life, it is not the things of God. Jesus is warning us against idolatry, warning us against those things that would pull our focus away from him. It's easy for us to look at the things of this life as most important because we live with them. We look, it looks as if our lives depend on the things that we do day to day. If I don't have this job, if I don't beat this illness, whatever it might be, if I do not overcome this obstacle in my life, well, then God must not love me, or then maybe I'm not worth his time or anyone's time. Our fallen nature rages at God for not fixing our problems in the way that we think is best and in the time frame that we think is best. But for you, people loved by God, Jesus seeks to reorient you back to the things that are most important. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Jesus here is telling us that we are not made whole by the writing of things gone wrong in this life? How often have you gone from one hard thing to the next, time after time, season after season in your life? It's easy to say, once I get past this season, or once I get past this surgery or this illness, then things will be all better. But what happens when you get to the end of that thing? Something else always comes up. Life is a series of hard thing after hard thing. And if we find ourselves striving after wholeness and what is made right in this life, we'll never be satisfied. Instead, Jesus teaches us here that we are to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things, he says, will be added to you. Jesus is teaching us that we are to keep our eyes on him. And he is the one who has promised to work all things together for our good. As St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, and we know what and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? People loved by God, your Lord Jesus has the cares and the concerns that you face in this life well in his hand. And the blood that he shed for you, the price that he paid to redeem you from sin and death, that 
is the means by which he has overcome all of the world and all of the troubles that we face here in this life. He has defeated death and hell, the greatest of your enemies. And what is most wonderful about that purchase price that he has paid is that he has also located his kingdom and his righteousness in that purchase price. In his very body that was broken for you at the cross and the blood that was shed from his holy veins, that is where his kingdom and his righteousness are located. And Jesus calls you to rest in these things. For it is in these things that we find the riches of the kingdom of heaven. Knowing that we have been ransomed from the futile things of this world. What we eat, what we drink, what we wear, what we suffer in this life by the very blood of Jesus. And in this blood, dear saints, the Lord Jesus not only gives us the strength to go from day to day in this life, but by that blood that he has shed, has also promised to give you everlasting life, wherein he will wipe every tear from your eyes. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.